Welcome back to Chasing Hazel's Tales, a family history podcast. And so here we are, 2023, and we are telling tales. And I haven't forgotten about my tea. I don't start a good conversation without a good cup of tea. And today is a good day for a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is storming in Maine. We don't call it storming. We call it storming. Storming storming in Maine. We have some snow. And I think Laura's is a little bit different. I've... I've got something. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's sleet, but I'm just kind of looking out the window. We don't have to go anywhere today. So that's right. Let's, you know, call it just nasty. Yeah. It's just (laughs) a yucky day. And I just hope we keep power. That's That's right. So basically if we have a nice smooth podcast, that means the power stayed on. If it's a little bit quirky, (laughs) that means CMP's got problems and we don't have power. So, you know, in future, we can always just blame it on the on the power (laughs) now we've laid that groundwork so yeah we're good (laughs) so from here in maine i'm kim mclaughlin and i'm laura ireland (laughs) and you know one of our favorite things to talk about is that show finding your roots with henry lewis gates jr so did you watch that first episode of Um, the season of course i did that was a dumb question yeah yeah the one with julia roberts so i just wanted to just wanted to bring up you know she had a big surprise from her dna results and that was that she's not actually a Roberts. And her her NPE, or not parent expected, was a few generations back. Her This was her great-great-grandfather, who was not, he was not who they thought he was. So she seemed pretty surprised by this. And all I have to say is, same girl. <laughs> we, <laughs> we had a very similar experience. So if you ever want to talk about it, we're here for you. And, and we, uh, can, we can help. I know we can help. <laughs> that's right. We can help to process this kind of thing. And also, we just we have so much in common because the name of our grandmother, Hazel, is the name of Julia's daughter. Just throwing that out there. That's right. So, we're so if you're ever in Maine, Julia, mm-hmm. you hit us up. We'd we'd love to meet with you. <laughs> <laughs> we know if, we know some places we could go. That's right. We'll make you a cup of tea and we can talk. Bring the fam. That's right. All right. So, you know, just reminding everyone, as we said, Hazel is our grandmother that we never met. And her her short life is now much clearer to us after learning all the things we did through DNA and going through all of Uncle Carl's stuff and honestly doing this podcast, kind of organizing all of our thoughts and looking through more and, and understanding. So considering that we knew nothing in the beginning, you know, I consider this a big win for us. We've We've we're learned doing, a lot. We're doing good. And we, I could say we know a lot about her now. That's true. And every week here, we say, we will let you know if there's anything new. So this week, we are excited to say that there is going to be something new. This week, we're going to be heading to meet up with some folks that knew the family way back when. We have somebody, a listener in her 90s, who knew our grandmother and knew our aunt, and they want to meet up and talk with us so that they can tell us some tales. So, you know, fingers crossed, this is going to be a great meeting. Right. Well, I can't wait. Mm. I I want to, I need to like draw a chart for where they fall. They They have relatives and everything there too. And I want to figure it out. So we'll be prepared when we show up. We're going to, that's right. We're going to we have questions. We that's right. We're going to prep our questions and, and <laughs> we're, we're going to get down to it. And I'm just going to be so happy to hear what she knows. Right. What the, or what they know. Right. 
and 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 talk about her life too. She has a very interesting life as well. Oh, I'm sure. So, yep. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna oh. be a rich weekend. Yes. Even though very we good. didn't win Mega Millions. Somebody in Maine won Mega Millions. It wasn't us. Here we Honestly, are. Honestly, though, they're barely in Maine. It was Lebanon, Maine, which is right on yeah. the New Hampshire border. Could have so. been someone from New Hampshire skipping across. <laughs> it could have been. been. So, but anyway, it happened in Maine. Yeah, you know it and happened. it wasn't us. Yep. That's right. But... <laughs> also, right. I want to say we have a listener in Maine that's pretty sure that he could come to any one of our dinners and keep up with all this conversation because he's been pretty loyal to listening. And if anybody could do that, that's... <laughs> That's an accomplishment. So we want to make a shout out to uh, David and kudos to you. So And maybe we will invite him. Yeah, you never know. So now we're going to kind of talk about Salvatore. We're, we're on to a different little story right now. Salvatore Nicolai and his life. So he started, of course, in Monte Fiascone, Italy. And he was born on April 18th, 1895. And I may have neglected to say that last week, just that he was from Italy. But it's Monte Fiscone, Italy. And he was the son of Domenico Nicolai and Lucrezia Scorzino. They had five other children, three sons and two daughters. And Scorzino, over over all the different documents I've seen, is pronounced and spelled different ways. But Scorzino is what was listed on Salvatore's birth certificate. So I'm going with that. That's the source of that spelling. So I don't know. It could be different, but not that I'm aware of. Okay. And last week we went over Salvatore coming to the United States in 1912 and that there was a lot happening in Italy in the early 1900s. As we mentioned, many natural disasters in the forms of earthquakes in the South, Monte Fiascone. I drank some Italian wine last night. So. <laughs> I'm feeling so Italian. <laughs> it's located about 60 miles north of Rome. It's, so it's probably in the middle, really neither north or south. And there's family lore that mentions he came to the U.S. as his family was worried about war on the horizon. He wasn't married and was encouraged to head west to the United States. So they weren't wrong. It wasn't long after he left that war broke out pretty close by. So they saw that writing on the wall and World War I came along. Wasn't it 1918? Yeah. Around Started there. real close there, right in the Balkans. And the town ended up being damaged by a couple of, the town of Monte Fiscone was damaged by a couple of Allied bombs in May of 1944. So I'm sure that was all very difficult for the family that remained. Right. Um, very fearful. Apparently the town is amazing. And, you know, people should go visit if they can, or check it out online. And But if you can go and visit and enjoy some really good food, great wine, and some awesome people. Yep. I can I could attest to that. It was a great <laughs> place to be. That's right. So last week, we talked about how he came to the U.S. and began his life here, seemingly heading toward the American dream. He's working in the trades, applied for naturalization, and he found a young woman that would become his wife, Ruth Elizabeth Broad, and they were married in 1923. Right. So, and here's his last week we mentioned Salvatore and Ruth had four children from 1924 to 1927. And Laura made a note, well, geez, that's one per year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, oh, darn tootin', it didn't really set on me, settle on me. But I thought, oh, yeah, that's one per year. That's four children under the age of four 
in you know in four years after four years so that's a busy little household and the young sure family, is. <laughs> the young family lived at 161 coney street east walpole massachusetts and i said last week that they lived in norward which is one place where they they had lived i think as well so and they are right side by side but they settled in east walpole in a small little family home and basically if you're headed to gillette stadium you you drive right by. It's just oh, it's, I'll be going this summer. Yeah. yeah, I have concert tickets. All right. So if you're going if you're going to Gillette Stadium, you go right by, and it's just south of Boston, but it's not southy. I want to make sure <laughs> it's not, that would require no. a totally different accent. So. Yes, yeah, <laughs> one that I cannot reproduce. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody doesn't know about Southie, it's a heavily Irish area of south of Boston. Very much so. Yep. Very much so, yes. Yeah. So while this was going on in the U.S., around 1923 in Italy, Salvatore's youngest brother, Consalvo, just 17 or 18, was also emigrating to a foreign land. But this brother didn't go to the U.S. He went to Argentina. When I inquired as to the reason he didn't join his brother in the U.S., it is said that his mother hadn't heard from Salvatore in a long time and worried what happened to him. So it was decided that Consalvo would go to Argentina with his cousin, Jose Berla. Jose's mother was a Nicolai, and she was the sister of Salvatore's father, Domenico. So at least the two of them had each other to navigate Argentine life. So out of the six children, two sons had emigrated to new homes, and the last remained in Italy at that time. We'll get back to Consalvo later. He's pretty important to our story too. Yes. One thought I when when I first was looking looking into this, I thought Consalvo, you know, he was years later coming or emigrating since Salvatore. And so I thought maybe he couldn't get in because of uh, like quotas had, or something. Right, quotas. Or? They had they had topped out on their quotas for Italians, and they had st- pretty strict quotas. And if you, you know, right. if you're coming across that ocean and your boat has too many, they, they, you get shipped out to somewhere else, and they just take those people either home or to mm-hmm. an, or back or to another country, probably Argentina. So that was one thing I thought about but it turns out that salvatore's mother was worried because she hadn't heard from salvatore in a long time so she Mm. didn't want to send consalvo the same way so she sent him to argentina with her cousin anyway that's just kind of weird like and i'm not and i'm not so sure it's not a combination of both those things but anyway right you know salvatore went one way consalvo went another so life was just beginning for this family of six (laughs) when an unfortunate illness struck salvatore he contracted bronchial pneumonia in May of 1928 when his youngest daughter was just eight months old. He later had surgery on May 21st, and on June 10th, 1928, at 11.45 p.m., Salvatore passed away from empyema of the lungs. The death certificate said he contracted the disease at home, and empyema is defined by purulent fluid collection in the plural space, which is most commonly caused by pneumonia. And I've seen modern versions of surgery to treat this. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just problematic all the way around. Of course, it's your lungs. It's and even just, today, it makes a person very, very sick. Very sick. Like it's like the, the modern version is still like problematic. Right. And it's not a, it's not a quick and easy cure. So, and basically antibiotics and surgery can be, you know, the way to treatment today, but that yeah. it's always best, you know, to get it early and who knows in 1928, I'm probably sure that that didn't happen, but yeah, I I wouldn't know what they would have treated it with then. I don't know. No, he well, they tried surgery, so it yeah. did say that on May oh, 21st, that's right. 
And so it, one of the places that I was reading, they said they might do, you know, some sort of thesis, maybe mm-hmm. historically, but I don't even know if that's what they did. They just said he had surgery on okay. 521. So whatever it was they did, they did, att- they did attempt to help him. Yeah. But it just couldn't happen. Yeah. Mm. So this was June 1928 that he passed away from the bronchial pneumonia event. In September of 1928, at St. Mary's Hospital in London, Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. So that discovery led to the introduction of antibiotics and greatly reduced the number of deaths from infection. But, you know, this wasn't, antibiotics weren't widely used until the 1940s. But, you know, you just imagine if it had been available in 1928, how this young father with his his family, his growing family, you know, they life would have been different. Right. And yeah, like timing, right? Timing is everything. And Mm -hmm. if he'd just been in in the antibiotic era. Right. Different era. Mm -hmm. Right. So just imagine, if you will, a young Ruth Elizabeth, mother to four children under four, she just lost her husband. So she had no family nearby. He had no family nearby. And she buried her husband in St. Francis Cemetery in Walpole, Mass., It's a lovely, elegant headstone that looks like it had room for the spouse's name. So did she intend on staying in Walpole, maybe, and adding her name with his? Or did officials assume she was going to stay? I don't know. But the stone was really pretty, and it looked like it had room for more, for more people. Mm. So I I, I don't know those those circumstances. Wow. So... You know, one of the difficult things for her was that she was not, Ruth was not a citizen of the United States, but the children were. So how was she going to manage four children and pay for it and, you know, and where, you know, and with most women of the time, it would probably be important or necessary to remarry. So hard to know all the resources that she might have had, but it seemed as though her best choice was to head back to Canada where there might be help to raise her children in familiar areas and with family. So according to recollections passed on by her son, Philip, they moved back in 1928. So they didn't wait long. She headed right back with her kids, you know, where they lived in Beechwood and Holmesville in New Brunswick. And that's just across the border of with the U S near Presque Isle, Maine. Okay. So Ruth's sister Irma lived just across the border in Weston. So, and Ruth went on to remarry twice, first to Edward Kearney in 1929. There's not much known about him or that marriage, but at some point they were no longer married. And then she married James Jackson, date unknown. But they were together in the latter half of the 30s and had a daughter, Marilyn Rose, born 8th of July, 1936. Ruth was now a beautiful mother to one son and four daughters. What could go wrong? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a bad question to ask. A, I was <laughs> say. It, if your heart couldn't break anymore for children, for these children, when they lost their dad, they're now about to lose their mom. So Ruth was under the care of her doctor from July 1st, 1936. And then she gave birth July 8th to Marilyn. But during this time, she was diagnosed with measles and bronchopneumonia which on July 21st, 1936, brought about her the immediate cause of her death, which was acute pithesis, which means tuberculosis. How sick, I can't imagine those weeks, how sick 
she must have been. So she she was, you know, sick enough that the doctor was treating her, but then she gave birth and then it got worse. Mm. And all because of these contributing factors, which were measles, which is, to, I, I wasn't quite sure. Her acute, her immediate cause of death was acute pith, which means tuberculosis, but also they mentioned measles as well. So did she have them both or was pithesis another way of saying measles? I don't know. I, yeah. All I know is there's a lot of stuff going on in there and that's, that's, she has to be so sick. I just mm. don't, I, and again, timing is everything. Now we have treatments for these things mm-hmm. and, and vaccinations and whatnot, but these things can be treated, but probably not then, you know, there's nothing that they could do, but to, to, you know, help her as best they could. Right. So, you know, this is just another, another thing that we've come to describe as sad facts, Mm -hmm. just the things that make you go, oh, you know, and your heart aches for their suffering and knowing now there's ways to prevent and treat these things. It just, it just makes you wonder, you know, what if, what if Salvatore had been able to get penicillin? What if Ruth could have been treated for her pneumonia or vaccinated for measles when she was young? You know, we can all lament how different life would be if timing had been better, but I think when it's your ancestor, it just hits you different. And you really, you really think about it a lot more, I think. Right. You can connect, you can Mm. connect to the, you, you know what measles are, you know what tuberculosis is and, and mothers dying early in, in childbirth and things like that. And you understand how hard the lives were of those who were still here and had to figure out how to go on without them. Right. And that's just a big double whammy. Mm. So, so here's a, here's a thought, you know, next week we're going to talk about the Nikolai children, you know, there's now some young children that don't have parents. So we'll discuss their mom and their dad. Just consider that their father was Italian, their mother was Canadian, and they were American. So, you know, how to how to manage all that and get in the right place and where you can be part of the part of the community or the citizenship. Mm. They had right. no, you know, they were American. <laughs> right. So, so what do you do? Yeah. Mm. So one thing, and just, this is just a little tidbit side note. When I, when I in, investigated Italian citizenship, the four children, because of the time frame that they were born and because of their father never did reach naturalization, they were considered Italian citizens being born on foreign soil. So they could oh. have been, they, they would have been dual citizens, I believe. And I, I could research it further, but there were some different changes in laws and things that anyway. So those children also were Italian. So they were, but they, but nobody would have known that probably at the time. And right with the, with the dad gone and they didn't know their Italian family. How would they have known that? But for one thing's for sure, they were American, which is just, this is, you know, it just it puts a, a heavy twist on everything. So that's next week. That's where we're going to go. Cause uh, there's some really great stories that happen to these children once you know, once they um, have lost their parents, they they persevered. And let's talk about that perseverance and carry on with that topic next week. So until then, why not give us a shout? Look for us on social media. We're out there. And tell all your friends about the family history stories you're hearing here on Chasing Hazel's Tales. You can email us at chasinghazelstales at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week. And hope everybody keeps their power, at least... <laughs> At least those in Maine that are listening to us. That's right. We hope you stay safe. 
That's right. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs>